The Group Session 17 Nova looked at the clock. It was nearly 6.20 p.m. Nova looked back at the letter she had resting on her desk in front of her. She felt excited about what was a greater opportunity for more in her career. She would know next week if she had secured tenure as a professor at La Trobe University. It was something she had worked toward for many years now as she had completed six years of the tenure track as assistant professor. She had sacrificed a lot in her pursuit for this position. Nova had contemplated much about what it might be like if she were to be accepted for the position and how she would juggle this new role, her private patients, and the group. She wanted it all, but was realistic with the knowledge that something would have to make way for the new role if she were successful. She knew she would miss this group of interesting individuals and had come to like and even love each of them. It was fascinating work and a privileged position to be entrusted with creating an open and containing space for people to explore and work through all that had held them back from being all they could be in time. It was challenging, exhilarating, and profoundly meaningful work as they learned to hold their lives, their experiences, and their emotions with greater clarity and care for all that mattered and was important to them. Nova decided she needed to wait until she knew more before thinking too deeply about her plan forward. The buzzer sounded for the first of the group members to arrive. Reginald stood at the door, flanked by Paul and Trixie. He was dressed outside of his usual suit. He looked distraught. He had been crying and had accepted Paul's unspoken comfort as he sat beside him on the bench seat that was fixed to the pavement while they waited together outside the building. Trixie had arrived soon after, and the three of them sat together not talking, but simply sharing the space between them on the busy urban street. They were soon met with the remaining members of the group, and Nova welcomed everyone as usual. Helena, Dolly, and Tony looked at each other, then back to Reginald, and then Paul and Trixie, knowing something big was happening with Reginald. Reginald, you appear distressed, are you able to speak about what's happening for you right now? Nova asked. Reginald looked up at Nova. I think I'm just like Paul's dad, he said, adding nothing more. Paul furrowed his brows. No, Paul called out. No, don't say that. You don't know what you're saying. He's a monster, a fucked up monster that has no care for anyone but himself. 
Paul protested. Paul felt himself become angry. Fuck, I didn't share part of myself for you all to take bits and pieces of my life and attribute my story to yourselves. Fuck, Reginald, your life is your life. Paul looked about at everyone incredulously. Shit, man, I can't stay here in this room if you want me to sit next to my father while I pour my heart out. I trusted you, Reginald. I told you about me because I thought you could hear me. Paul took a breath. And now you want me to sit here and sympathize with my father? No fucking way, man. I'm out of here. I don't need this shit, Paul said as he began to pull his jacket from the back of his chair. Nova spoke to Paul. Paul, I would like you to stay, Nova said. Paul looked at Nova with his eyes wide. He had wrestled his jacket onto his lap, ready to wear, but held it tight as he sought comfort in the extra skin it could provide right now. Nova, surely I can't be expected to sit here next to my father. I feel scared. Why is Reginald pulling the shin on me? Who the fuck are you, man? Paul said, turning to Reginald and challenging him directly. Reginald nodded. I'm sorry, Paul, he said. I think I do know him. I wondered if it might have been him some time ago. Reginald added. What? Dolly screamed out. Reginald? You know him? How could you? You know the monster? She yelled with a mix of fear and rage. Tony shook his head incredulously. What's going on with you, Reginald? How could you keep that from Paul? From us all? Tony asked. Paul dropped his head into his hands as he shifted his body protecting himself physically from all he was about to hear. Paul used his jacket as a type of cave to help himself hide from Reginald and the others in the room. Paul felt himself begin to see flashes of all he had hid from his entire adult life. He saw his father with a belt in his hands, his father throwing him into deep water as a cruel attempt to teach him to swim his father coming into his room at night and dragging him down the stairs to eat the dinner he couldn't finish the night before, his father seeking any and all opportunity to strike him violently as a child, then the final blow he took to his face when Paul was a teenager. The first night, Paul ran away from home and slept in a park. Paul closed his eyes as he struggled against the images that had hounded him forever. Reginald broke down and began crying heavily. I'm sorry, Paul. I don't know what to say or when to say it, but after last week I knew I was sure it was him. Trixie frowned and barked at Reginald. Better start explaining the whole thing, Reginald. You sound like a mole, like some sneaky shit that has weaseled his way into our hearts and minds. Trixie shook her head. We trusted you, Trixie cried a little. Nova watched as Paul began to lift his head. Paul, things must be very confusing for you right now. I would like you to put words to what is happening for you, Nova said evenly. Nova, don't force Paul to talk. He's traumatized. Can't you see that? Dolly yelled at Nova protectively. Nova held her stance. 
I understand this has been a surprising revelation to hear Reginald believes he has had some dealings with who might be Paul's father. But there's much more going on here than someone being identified as known to someone else, Nova shared. So he is alive, Paul said, alive and well? How fucked is that, Paul said, now beginning to put words to his outrage. What does he look like, Paul asked Reginald directly. I want to know, what does that monster look like now? Reginald felt himself tremble as his anxiety was beginning to overwhelm him. Paul, I didn't mean to hurt you. I, I didn't mean to betray you. It's just the circles I move in. He was newly introduced to me a few months ago in the club. I said hello just briefly, but then later I heard some of the other men talking about Greg. Uh, I think he's also known as Gregor? Reginald asked. Have I got the right man? Reginald paused as Paul nodded, waiting for him to continue. Well, I heard he had two daughters and an estranged son who was an artist. I'm just telling you everything I know, okay? Reginald checked in with Paul. Paul nodded. I didn't think anything of it, really, initially. He's a formidable type of man. Business-wise, he's ruthless. Shall I continue, Paul? Reginald asked again. I want to know what that fucking monster looks like. His face, his eyes, his fucking teeth. Tell me, Paul said, almost in a trance, as he remembered much that had been buried until now. Reginald pulled at his sweater uncomfortably as the group continued scowling at him in the belief Reginald had brought Paul's abuser into their safe space. And now it was up to them all to disarm the monster, to break him apart into pieces for Paul to tolerate. Then reconstruct him anew, a monster that no longer held power over him, a monster that no longer held power over them all. Paul's monster was a monster they all experienced in some way, and now they had the opportunity to break themselves free of places they still couldn't go to together until now. Well, Reginald's voice trembled a little as he looked to Nova for support. Reginald, Paul is asking much from you right now. He's asking you to report something that has caused him much pain. He's asking you to give him something that no money can fix, buy, or hold. He's asking you to help him break free from his image of his father when he was the most powerful force in his life. He's asking you for this moment, now. We must understand the past as a way of understanding what interrupts the now. You sharing with Paul now is a gift to give him if you are courageous enough to tell him. Be with him. You're not his father. You are not Paul's monster. You are his eyes helping him to see more. It is what you all are to each other. Nova encouraged Reginald to continue. Reginald nodded. He understood what Nova was saying. He took in a large breath before he began. Well, he is a large man, around six foot two, I guess. He's rather unfit looking, heavy. He's balding. I, I'm not sure what else, Reginald tried. 
His eyes. What do his eyes look like? Paul asked, now sitting forward, leaning toward Reginald. Reginald put his hand to his chin as he tried to recall. I think brown. Maybe hazel? Reginald shook his head. I'm sorry, Paul. I, I might just be guessing now. Paul nodded. With the angry eyes, could you see his evil? Paul asked. Well, I'm not sure if I would call it that. I, I do know he has a lot of hangers-on. He has quite a big staff that accompanies him. I think this creates a bigger him, although the general thinking is he's personally rather unlikable, as a man, that is. He does not stand out in the crowd if you were to see him without the entourage. He's hungry. I suppose that's the best way I could describe him. You know how some people eat everything in their path? An insatiable appetite for more than what is offered? As I said, it was a brief meeting. I work in the world of finance, so I come across many quite ruthless business people. The man, as you call them. I don't think I have any answers for you, Paul. But after last week and all that you shared, I felt like he had found his way into me to find you. I can't hold him. I, I won't. I won't be used as a host for his parasitic wants. He doesn't know me or anything about me other than a possible avenue to another stream of funds. Paul, can you speak to what is happening for you right now? Nova asked. Paul dropped his jacket to the floor. So you did feel him, and you survived him. Are you scared of him, Reginald? Paul asked. Reginald shook his head, no. No, Paul, he's, he's just like all the others. There's nothing personally special about him other than my care for you. I wish I could tell you he had become lame or frail, that he was blind or crippled by guilt, or even that he was alcoholic to help him bury his shame at what he's done to you. But he's just a man living in one stream a narrow stream of life with little understanding of love and connection to anything real. Reginald said, now feeling stronger, using his words without filter, correction, or fear. He was speaking to Paul, and Paul heard every word Reginald shared. Paul looked at Reginald. He was just him. He was not his father, an imposter, or a mole as Trixie had feared. Reginald had taken a leap into a deeper world where he had something more to offer others. He mattered. Helena sighed heavily. Are you okay, Paul? she asked. Paul nodded. Yes, I'm okay. I, I know I reacted strongly. I hope I didn't upset anyone by my response. I've been challenged by much that I had buried since last week. Actually, I think things were starting to get harder to hold at bay for a while now. Just being with you all has been loosening my resistance to look at a lot I thought I had locked away. But in truth, much has been sitting just below the surface for a long time now, Paul acknowledged. It makes better sense of my binge drinking, really. Paul turned to Reginald. Are you okay, Reg? he asked. Reginald nodded comfortingly at Paul. Tony felt excited to see Paul reach out to Reginald and show an appreciation for this shared experience. 
Reginald, I want to apologize to you, Tony said. I was swept up in protecting Paul, rescuing him from more pain. Reginald sat with the group as one. Tony, you have nothing to apologize for. I understand. I over-identified with the projection from Paul about the man, if you like. Then I fed this identification by my brief experience and knowledge of the abuser. I understand why Paul had a strong response, and I understand how and why you all also had a strong response to the father-son role play between Paul and I. I guess even further, I kind of expected and even felt deserving of punishment, as I too am not being an available father and husband in my own family, Reginald shared. Well, I'm still recoiling from what just happened, Dolly said. This is not a kumbaya moment here. You weren't gentle or considerate of the concerns you had, Reginald. You swallowed the identity, as you say, for your own needs to be punished for being selfish in your own family. There was another way. It was another way of sharing the possibility you had met, although briefly, the monster. Dolly shook her head. You're lucky Paul is so forgiving, but I'm not so sure of your judgment. You lead with you. You're not prepared to give up anything, as it seems what was robbed from you as a child gives you a reason to steal from others. But when am I stealing from others, Dolly? Reginald asked, worried to hear more about himself that was uncomfortable to know. You, Reginald, you! You have stolen the husband your wife should have. You've stolen the father your children needed. You won't give yourself to your wife. You won't give yourself to your children, but you give yourself to us and to Chloe and Cindy. You've bound your family to you with money, as if this compensates them for not giving them you. Dolly exhaled, frustrated at what she believed she knew about Reginald. The group sat with Dolly's words. They were harsh, brutal even, but they resonated. Reginald felt himself feel the truth in Dolly's words. Dolly, haven't you just done what you accused Reginald of doing? Helena asked. Dolly frowned at Helena. No, Helena, not even close. Paul needs us. He needs to know he's safe and we will protect him and his words, no matter what, Dolly defended. But the same rules apply to all of us. And Reginald, too, Helena responded. Dolly looked at Reginald. He was in his late fifties. He was wealthy and largely lived a good enough life, she thought. He was orderly and controlled. Dolly imagined his wife likely prepared his breakfast each morning before he drove to work in his expensive car. He would eat the meal she prepared, then refused to give up Chloe. Because he was rich, he was rich enough to do as he pleased in reality. Then she looked back to Paul, who was sitting with his shoulder-length, unruly hair, his torn and patched jeans, and a jumper splattered in colored paint, and his shoes, still relatively new but cheap-looking, after his others were stolen from him. Dolly was still alive with the identification of Reginald symbolizing Paul's father. Perhaps not the psychopath that Paul's real father is, 
but a selfish man nonetheless. Dolly looked at everyone. It's been difficult for me tonight, she shared. Perhaps I'm feeling a mother's transference. Perhaps I'm not old enough to be your mother, Paul, but I think I need to check in with my own family a bit more. Nova felt the group wrestle with all that had happened between them tonight. And Dolly, I think what you have just described is interesting. Regardless of age, you may very well feel all types of transference, parental, lover, hater, destroyer, and of course rescuer, Nova shared. Our time has ended once again. Does anyone wish to speak before we end? Nova asked. Yes, I have a question, Trixie said. So I think I know the answer, but just because Paul has had a pretty confronting night, would it be okay if any of us met for a coffee through the week, you know, just to check in? It's just sometimes a week seems so long, you know. Ha, Dolly called out. This is not a coffee club, Trixie. I know, I know. I just thought I would ask, Trixie replied. Having time between group sessions is important as it keeps group content within this space. This is not a support group, Trixie, although you can feel very supported. This is a process group, first and foremost. I think the process is working as it should. I hear you needing me to reiterate the boundaries and frame of our work, as you have all come to know more about and deliver a deep care for each other's well-being, one can begin to desire these relationships in your own world. But it is this agreement you have with each other in here that makes the relationships you have explorative. Any notion of meeting each other out of group is important to share in here so we can better understand why you might want more. Being here removes the burden of social expectations, of friendship, and even the pressure to like each other at any given time. The frame offers you all an opportunity to be in this moment reflectively, Nova replied. Thank you, everyone. It is wonderful working with you all. Nova ended the session unusually with a compliment. Mm-hmm.